I saw the greatest tweet earlier. Speaking of cats, let me read it to you quickly. Okay. Um, people in pods are like, I genuinely don't see anyone except my cat, so it's fine if I go to her house. But like, your cat still goes to the jellico ball, so why are you acting like you're not exposed? <laughs> right. And cats can get COVID, so yeah. <laughs> okay. That's just that's just science. It is. So. <laughs> Today on the pod, which is Book Squad Goals, that's what you're listening to. Welcome. You're not going to say hello first or anything like that? I just said welcome. I'm doing this my way. <laughs> it's <laughs> Welcome to Book Squad Goals. Um, so I wrote this whole thing, so I'm just going to okay. read it. <laughs> this is a script I wrote. <laughs> Uh, so we're recording this before Halloween, but it's getting published the day before Election Day, which is giving me anxiety just thinking about it. Um, this book, in a roundabout way, is confronting a lot of contemporary problems. That book is Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay. Um, a lot of contemporary problems, including politicians ignoring science, climate change, racism, xenophobia, and, of course, the coronavirus so I get the feeling we're going to get into some heavy shit in this episode. So before we do all that, I just thought it might just be nice to say, like, one happy thing that's going on for you lately. Just like, how are you doing? Like, what is, what's Whoa. going on? That's my intro mm. question. Just like, something, some, say something happy. Um, this is Kelly. Hey, Kelly. Hello. As Welcome. usual, as soon as I start to talk. Some motorcycles decided to drive by outside. So uh, enjoy yeah, the ambiance. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, this is like, I'm so late to the game uh, reference to Mary's blog post series on this, but um, I started playing Animal Crossing finally. <laughs> I know. Why are we not friends? Okay, Why have you not I'll give you my lab? code. I'm like still figuring out. I haven't like added anyone, or I don't know how to do that. So, um, uh, yeah. But anyway, I is this you got a switch, or you're playing on? Jessica? I'm playing on hers. Um, so it's her island that. Well, I guess it's our island, but like you know, she has all the. She's basically like the mayor of the island or something, and I'm like just mm -hmm. a visitor, or not a visitor. I'm a resident. Anyway. Uh, I played it, like, all weekend, and uh, it's so relaxing so and cute, and just, I love to feel like I'm accomplishing things, so uh, it really is just a very cute version of um, capitalism, but you know what? <laughs> I don't care. Well, y'all know my story with that game. That you feel like it's just doing a job? No. Um, I used to play... This was, like, way back in the day. Okay. I'm not going to say how long ago, but I was, like... <laughs> let's just say I was 18 or so. I was an age. I won't <laughs> a say teenager. how many years ago. Um, I was 18 or so. I was seeing this guy, and, he, you know, he made me a resident on his island. And then one time I was like, yeah, I was going to come over and play. And he was like, oh, I deleted you. I figured you weren't going to be coming over that often anymore and i was like oh okay wow i did not know that 
<laughs> so I got broken up with via Animal Crossing one time. Oh, oh. <laughs> you definitely have never told that story. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry that, that it is... happened, but that's like one of the weirdest breakup stories I've yeah. ever heard. Um, that's horrific. That's not my happy thing. Um, but I'll go last because I asked the question. So if somebody else wants to go. I will go. I um, This past weekend, I had a four-day weekend because I had fall break. Woo-woo! Fall Yay. break. And it was just really nice to get to rest and recharge. <clears throat> and I actually, like, went to work today feeling really well. Good. Rested and good. It did feel terribly bloated all day because <laughs> it got to mix a little sad in with my happy. Um, no, you don't. That wasn't a requirement. But it felt good. But okay. Also, I decorated my door for Red Ribbon Week, and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> did, did you send us a pic? Yeah, we want to see yes, it. Yes, I'll send a pic. It says, get a clue, drugs are bad. <laughs> and it has, it has a clue. I was waiting for it, it to rhyme. <laughs> nope. It had a clue board on it, and it had, uh, like, all a murder weapon. <laughs> And then Todd's door says, I say no to drugs, E-Y-E, and it has a bunch of googly eyes on it. Mm. Oh, nice. And it has two googly eyes, like, peeking out through the window. Todd also opened the door because he's very proud of his door, and he wanted to um, feel the compliment. Yes. It's good to compliment (laughs) people. Yeah. There's going to be a contest, though, and I bet neither one of us will win. That's fine. <laughs> if I could vote for you, I would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah they should, they should open it up to Instagram, and then we could get people to vote for you. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I would definitely win it. In that <laughs> <laughs> Mary's quite the Instagram star, so. I'm just like, of everybody else I work with. Yeah. <laughs> Problem. <laughs> uh, Susan, what's your happy? Um, my happy is that, um, so I've always been kind of like an on and off runner, but during the pandemic, I've picked it back up again, like a lot more. And Justin, who has never run ever, has been running with me. And Aww. we found this, um, this Instagram account called anyone running club, check them out. They're at anyone running club and they do like virtual race weekends and stuff. So you can like, you know, if you want to run a 5k, but you don't want to be around a whole bunch of people right now, you can like follow their schedule for training for it and make your own course and do a 5k. But anyway, we're, we are training for a half marathon, um, through that. So we're kind of just doing it by ourselves, but we get to keep up with it through this thing. And, It's like a really encouraging Instagram account. Um, So if you like to run, check that out. That's cool. And yeah, so it's just, it's felt, it's just felt good to like get back to running lately. We're up to seven miles right now. Whoa. Yeah. That is many miles. My back always hurts. So. Are the dogs (laughs) running with you? Because I do love the image of Rez trying to keep up. No, no, no. Uh, Rez, because his feet, uh, Rez is a dachshund, so his his legs are really short. Um, He gets really tired if you walk him for like a half mile. (laughs) Can't you just imagine that? 
Oh, I can imagine, and it would be really cute, but I also am, I'm, like, afraid he would, like, break all of his legs. (laughs) And then he would just have to roll around, like, the noodle that he is. Um, And Roger has a a leg that was previously broken, uh, we think, before I got him. So he has a crooked leg, and he doesn't run very well either. And Mabel hates running. (laughs) Mabel's too dainty for that business. The furthest I've ever run with Mabel and Roger is a mile and a half. And both of them, like, wouldn't speak to me for the rest of the day. I could just so. imagine Mabel's eyes as she's running, just like, oh, my gosh, why are we going so fast? Oh, no, they are bugging out of her head, and her tongue is out, and she just keeps side-eyeing me, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so it's only happened just that one time, uh, and then I felt bad about it. I started walking. I walked him the rest of the way home. But I can't even try with Rez because the wheels will just come right off of him. <laughs> um. So this is Emily and my happy, like, I guess I just had a really pretty good day today, actually, because I, like, I thought of a lot of happy right. things, um, aside from the election coming up, which is, like, well, for real, it's stressing me out. Like, every time yeah. I think about it, I'm like, what? Ah! Um, <laughs> yeah. But, so, for one, I had a really good workout today. I've been doing this um, dance body workout. Which is, like, every single quarter they have, like, new dances that you have to learn. And, like, at first they're really complicated. And you're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to get this. But then there's always that one class where you do it and you're like, I I know the dances. And that class for me this quarter was today. So that was very exciting. Um, Was Baby Rocks there? Baby Rocks was not there. Um, Sorry. (laughs) But uh, also today couple of things so my birthday was recently my my birthday was recently my birthday <laughs> happened recently i don't know recently <laughs> hey, Emily. thanks um <laughs> but my my dad got me an espresso machine for my <gasps> birthday oh my god so i had a really nice like nespresso drink today and sat out on my porch we've been putting um murray on a leash so that he can go outside so i had murray on the leash with me sitting outside on the porch he was just like playing in the grass having a grand old time and i was reading my book i finished this you know as is the status quo for me i was finishing the book that we were discussing today (laughs) earlier today as i was drinking my nespresso and hanging out with my cat out on my porch and the weather was nice and so very on brand just like you know, good workout, nice book reading time, hanging out with the cat. Like, I just feel like I got, had a lot of, a really nice day today. You that know? does sound like a lovely day. That does Thank sound you. like a lovely Murray day. Murray on the leash. It's pretty it's cute. It's such a cute sight <laughs> to behold. Honestly, anytime I see a cat on a leash, I am filled with joy. Just yeah, he's delightful. pretty good on the leash, which is exciting because I've never had a cat before that I felt would be good on a leash. So it takes a special also, type like, of cat. to see Ben... With Murray on the leash, yeah. he's like such a concerned dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because and it's very sweet. Ben. Like Ben came out with Murray at first, and when he went back inside, he was like, "Okay, well, you have to be attentive to him. Like, at like you can't just read your book and not pay attention to him. Like, make sure you're watching him." I was like, "I like I know how to take care of my cat, but he's like, very <laughs> concerned." So, but we had a we had a good time. Good time. Aww. So, Good. You know, happy, happy things. And now for some less happy things. We're going to talk about <laughs> Survivor Song 
by Paul Tremblay. Um, we're going to get into spoilers pretty much right away. So if you haven't read it yet, I hope you enjoyed all that preamble. And we'll see <laughs> <For> you later. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you have read it or you just don't care, come along with us on this journey. <laughs> Um, this summer is really long, and I'm always tripping up on my words, so let me just take a sip of my Nespresso coffee first. Sip, sip, sip. <laughs> You're going to be up all night. <laughs> I have work to do after this, that's why. Okay. Oh. Um, In that case, drink I would up. be drinking wine with you guys. Um, I had Thank wine, you. and then I remembered I had I remember I'm just do. drinking it because it'll go flat if I don't, so. Yeah. I'm drinking it because oh. I like to drink during the podcast. Yes, I usually <laughs> have also. Yolt water. <laughs> okay. A riveting novel of suspense and terror from the Brand Stoker award-winning author of The Cabin at the End of the World and A Head Full of Ghosts. In a matter of weeks, Massachusetts has been overrun by an insidious rabies-like virus that is spread by saliva. But unlike rabies, the disease has a terrifyingly short incubation period of an hour or less. Those infected quickly lose their minds and are driven to bite and infect as many others as they can before they inevitably succumb. Hospitals are inundated with the sick and dying, and hysteria has taken hold. To try to limit its spread, the Commonwealth is under quarantine and curfew, but society is breaking down and the government's emergency protocols are faltering. Dr. Romola, is that how we say it? Romola? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how, I would that's how the audiobook it. says it. Okay. Whew. Dr. Romola Rams Sherman. Rams is not her middle name. That is a nickname, by the way. That would be a weird middle name. But, you know, no judgments here. We all have weird middle names, probably. Um, anyway, she's a soft-spoken pediatrician in her mid-30s. She receives a frantic phone call from Natalie, a friend who is eight months pregnant. Natalie's husband has been killed, viciously attacked by an infected neighbor, and in a failed attempt to save him, Natalie, too, was bitten. Natalie's only chance of survival is to get to a hospital as quickly as possible to receive a rabies vaccine. The clock is ticking for her and for her unborn child. Natalie's fight for, yeah, there we go. Natalie's fight for life becomes a desperate odyssey as she and Rams make their way through a hostile landscape filled with dangers beyond their worst nightmares, terrifying, strange, and sometimes deadly challenges that push them to the brink. Paul Tremblay once again demonstrates his mastery in this chilling and all too plausible novel that will leave readers racing through the pages and shake them to their core. Now I have a problem with that last part because it's like that them, I was like, shake the pages? The readers are going to shake the pages to their core? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, shake them to the, what? Like, I'm going to race yeah. through the pages and shake the pages to their core. You know what I mean? That was just badly written. Maybe you're so scared you're shaking them. I'm so scared I'm Ooh. shaking the pages to their core. <laughs> I mean, I really, like, you heard me. As I was reading that, I was like, shake them to okay well all right but i shake them pages shake them pages to their core but anyway (laughs) that is i feel like aside from that weird um ambiguous pronoun there at the end that's a pretty uh accurate description of the book so i guess good job whoever wrote that except for the ending very good job you know we had a little bit of feedback just for the ending but otherwise great job Okay, got got some discussion questions here. Um, I want to start with the beginning of the book. Um, the book starts with this paragraph. 
This is not a fairy tale. Certainly it is not one that has been sanitized, homogenized, or Disney-fied. Bloodless in every possible sense of the word. Beasts and human monsters defanged and claws clipped. The children safe and the children saved. Um, later, Tremblay says it's not a fairy tale, but a song. Why does the book start this way? Like, what, what does that mean? I have no insight to the song part, <laughs> but I have a lot of thoughts on the fairy tale part. Okay. Well, that's um, a start. I think, so Paul Tremblay clearly is not um, foolish enough to believe that fairy tales are all, you know, happy endings and princesses because he does make the distinction between a fairy tale and a, like, Disney, Disney-fied yeah. fairy tale. And fairy tales don't always have happy endings. And fairy tales don't always end with everyone safe and sound. And they're often bloody. Yeah. They're often bloody. And this has all of those things. But one thing a fairy tale often has is some kind of moral or lesson. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that this book has a moral or lesson. It's kind of just like, here's a really terrible situation. And people are trying to do the best they can. Well, I say people. The main characters are trying to do the best they can. And, yeah. And, I mean, of course you could, like, get a lesson from it, I guess. Like, there are lots of themes we could pick out. But it's not, like, tidy, like fairy tales sometimes are. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not, as he says, like, sanitized and disnified. Yeah. Like, I don't think there was ever a moment in the book where I was like, you know, everything's definitely 100% going to be fine. <laughs> now, why is it a song? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the name of the book is Survivor Song. Uh... The Sassafras and Lullabies. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Which I guess means like just a bunch of bullshit. Baloney. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> but um, at one point I was like, if this baby gets born and they name it Sassafras, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, yeah. But I kind of wanted it to happen. What a great name, Sassafras. Um, <laughs> but I thought of those like, I guess now that I'm thinking about it anyway, the recordings sort of feel like maybe a song, like a thing that you might listen to before bed like Mm -hmm. and listen to repeatedly and draw like hope and inspiration from get hints from the past i don't know i'm really reaching here i am too i just i feel like there's probably a really obvious answer that we're missing um and some listeners gonna write in and tell us how dumb we're being um and that's okay and I'll say, yes. Yeah, I thought you were going to be like, there's probably an obvious answer we're all missing. Let me Yeah, I kind of thought you had it too. <laughs> well, okay. All right. Okay, dummies. This is why I asked the question. Well, first of all, although I did used to be an English teacher, that's not why I'm here today. Um, and that would be the English teacher way to lead a discussion is like, oh yeah, those are all good ideas, but this is the right one. Uh, And kind of a bad way to lead a discussion too, like playing what's in my pocket. Like there's a right answer, but I'm not going to. I will say, and hold on, because I, I 
pulled some quotes from this Los Angeles Times article about Survivor Song. And um, there is a section where Paul Tremblay talks about the um, book as being sort of like punk rock. Um, Mm. He says... See, I wouldn't have thought that at all. He says, I was thinking of my favorite songs, many of which are really short and aggressive. In a punk song, there's a truth revealed, right? It's usually a terrible truth, just like in a horror story. So I don't know if that's like the answer. And I don't know if that's what it, yeah. he necessarily means when he says it's a song, but like it seems like part part of that has to do with maybe songs being more about revealing a truth rather than like moralizing things. I mean, I will say this book to me felt short, aggressive, and revealing a truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it did check all the punk boxes for me now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Um I guess it's not actually short, but it reads really fast. It does. And it takes place over a very short amount of time. And like one of the mm-hmm. things like I was talking to Ben about the book and one of the things he said is like, so it probably took you longer to read the book time wise than like the time that actually passed in the story. Oh yeah, for sure. So um that's what I thought was kind of neat about listening to it because it it is yeah. almost mm-hmm. real time. Like at the time when they're discussing, when they're trying to f- backtrack and figure out how long it's been since Natalie was bitten, like when they do figure it out, they are at like pretty much that timestamp yeah. in <laughs> in the audio book. Like oh, it's been like about an hour and a half ago. I'm like oh, Check yeah, literally out. like that's <laughs> exactly. We've just been with her the whole time since she got bitten. Yeah. But yeah, but in general, like by the time we get to Natalie's death, I hate saying that so early on, but like obviously we're going to spoil this <laughs> immediately. Um, by the time we get there, it actually it is almost like the same amount mm-hmm. of hours, almost. Yeah. Okay. We have to talk about the most obvious thing going on in this book mm-hmm. compared to contemporary times. Um. We can draw a lot of direct connection into what's going on in the real world and what's going on in this book. Paul Tremblay wrote this book before coronavirus was a thing, um, but he got a How lot of it he right. do that? Um, some of the stuff in this How book did he was do uncannily it? real, um, and some things are mm-hmm. very different. Um so I just didn't know if there were particular things that struck you as like, how did he know that? Or things that we were like, well, that didn't turn out that way. It turned out this way. Um, I mean, I guess some of it makes sense, right? Like you could probably deduce America would not handle a big health crisis. Well, yeah. I just wonder like, is Paul, is Paul Tremblay a prophet? Is he a psychic? Yes. Is he a time traveler? Is he a time traveler? I mean, I just, I find it fascinating. It's like, it's Paul, like, and I can't decide whether I think this is like a beautiful thing that has happened where his book being released has coincided with an actual pandemic that is eerily similar, or if it's just really unfortunate. Like, obviously he couldn't go on a book tour and like promote how he normally would. But I also feel like there's got to be a little piece of him that's like, hmm. Yeah. See? <laughs> we should note, though, that we chose this pre-pandemic. Yes. Yeah. So this yeah. was not, like, on purpose. No. 
like a year ago emily was like i love paul tremblay we're gonna read his next book yeah when it comes yeah um though i wouldn't put it past me to uh pick a pandemic book while we're in the middle of a pandemic but that's not what i did i did not know that this would be where we were this is gonna be like you know how now there's like a whole a whole like subgenre of like nine eleven literature. There's gonna be oh, yeah. this. Yeah. There's gonna be COVID lit, and I'm not gonna be able to read any of it. Triggered. Um, so I do have a passage I want to read. Yes. Um, that I hope it's the one like, I'm thinking of. Maybe <laughs> it's on page two twenty five. Oh, that sounds about right. If you if if you've got your book, um, flip to my audio. So this is. It's in a section about Luis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is exactly and the it's passage. Talking about, yeah. <laughs> it's talking about, like, so Luis is going through all this shit. And then it says, what Luis does not know. The virus doesn't herald the end of the world or of the United States or even of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. In the coming days, conditions will continue to deteriorate. Deteriorate. Emergency services and other public safety nets will be stretched to their breaking points, exacerbated by the wily antagonists of fear, panic, misinformation, a myopic, sluggish federal bureaucracy further hamstrung by a president unwilling and woefully unequipped to make the rational science-based decisions necessary, and exacerbated, of course, by plain old individual everyday evil. I mean, could that not just describe... I read that section... That is the, that is the passage I was thinking of. I too. read that section <laughs> out loud and a little bit past that, too, because it talks about, like, some other stuff about, like, how it brings out the worst in people and stuff. I don't know. And the part about people being, like, unwilling yes. to trust vaccines. Yes. Mm-hmm. I And how, like, they've made science the enemy. I read it out loud to Todd last night, and I didn't say, like, this is from Survivor Song. I was just like, let me read you something. And he was just like, where's that from? Like, what? <laughs> is that from the literal Yeah, is news? that from the actual news? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, no, it's, it's eerie. It is eerie. Is that from USA yeah. Today? Because that sounds like the USA Today. Yes. I mean, obviously, like, some stuff is different. Like, there's no one roaming the streets like, I'm going to infect people with COVID. Like, in a haze. Well, there are. But, uh, (laughs) you know, like, in a sort of like a feverish haze. I guess there's not, like, that kind of open violence. But there... In terms of like, there are currently armed militias yes. that are planning governor kidnaps. So that's the thing yeah. is like the militia stuff. By the time I got to that, I was like, oh no, this is too real. Yeah. We got some proud boys out here, and also, oh, well, and of course yeah. they were like killing dogs. Exactly who you expected them to they be. They were exactly who you expect them to be, and they were, right. for the record, killing people's pets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, the most hilarious detail that they got wrong is they were like, 5,000 people have died. And oh. I was like, oh, oh no, 5,000. A whole people. five? Yeah. I was like, LOL, you must be new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is what but, it is. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and also, this was like, if you get. To a doctor in time. But in time is like 10 minutes later. 
But it you was like out. yeah, and you can't you get there to but like in time, and the the wound is like far enough away from your brain because yeah. like the only people they were able to vaccinate yeah. had like gotten bit in their leg. Oh, I would a hundred percent be like, cut it off. Right. Yeah, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't she just get do that, that leg out of here? Good point. I've seen The Walking Dead. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I know what's yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, that's the big difference, too, is that, like, when you're sick with this rabies thing, you will eventually bite other people. And, yeah, the virus itself yeah. is Well, a lot and thank different. goodness, because honestly, scary. I don't think I could read about something that was similar to COVID right now. So, also, you know, at least this yeah, was, like, a little wilder. I was a. a Okay, I'm not a scientist, <laughs> but I was super sketched out by the fact that they That's were like, it's me. a rabies-like virus, mm-hmm. so what we're going to go ahead and do is just rabies stuff. vaccinate for that. Yeah, like, we're only yeah. going to... I mean, what if it wasn't rabies? It's just everyone getting rabies vaccines for mm-hmm. no reason? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying don't give them rabies vaccines, but it's nice <laughs> that it did turn out to be a rabies virus. Rabies is kind of... <laughs> Yeah, terrifying. When you actually read about rabies, yeah. it's terrifying. Has anyone listened to um, this podcast? Will kill you. I have heard of it, okay. but I have not listened. It's on. It's on the same. It's on the My Favorite Murder podcast network now. Um, I wrote a yeah blog post. About I was like, it, I think I heard about it from you. Yeah, it's yeah. two. It's the two PhDs. I, I might have heard one that episode of they, it actually. They're like epidemiologists, infectious disease specialists, and um, they cover rabies in one episode, and they also always have a, um, what they call a quarantini, like they have like a a cocktail, Mm. a signature cocktail every episode. And that was, now like everyone has their own quarantini, because we've literally had a quarantine and there was nothing else to do but drink, so. Um, But anyway, in the rabies episode, I remember them being like, yeah, so one of the symptoms of rabies is death. (laughs) They're like... They're like, it's not like an outcome, like it's a symptom. It just like, it will happen mm-hmm. to you as part of it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've never heard it phrased that way, but that's really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, it seems pretty uncommon that rabies actually gets passed on. But to when it does, uh, gnarly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anyone personally, knock on wood. No, I'm going to get it. Thank you for that. No. What about you, Penelope? She's gotten it. <laughs> she looks so unamused. She's like, how question. dare you, mother? Next question. <laughs> so it's um, like in, I kept thinking of that episode of The Office, though, where they do the fun run to eradicate rabies. Or for rabies awareness. I haven't seen that one. And yeah. um, they're like, yeah, like five people get it a year <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we all already kind of covered some of this, but... I was just thinking about all the other current event type issues that Trimley is addressing in this novel. Um, there's a lot of stuff about <laughs> Sorry, I just machine. saw your parenthetical. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to read that aloud. But <laughs> There's a lot about climate, climate change mentioned mm-hmm. in this. Just a, lot, a lot of it's just kind of like in passing, too. Like, oh, it was a particularly hot summer. Or, oh, there was flooding, etc. Um, there's also like racism Mm -hmm. and xenophobia happening in here and just like generally like and we kind of talked about this already but like generally just like dealing with the fact that like dumb people are getting in the way of shit happening (laughs) 
<laughs> like all of that felt like very real and perhaps like maybe like real frustrations Paul Tremblay was feeling with our cur- current political climate. Um, Cause he definitely wrote this um, after a certain somebody was already president. So <laughs> maybe it, it wasn't that difficult <laughs> to predict those parts um, because they were. Yeah. Especially the part about the, the way that the president reacts in that passage that you guys read earlier was very. Yeah. Uh, seemed similar to someone who may or may not be uh, our current. Yeah. I'll say. And it's funny because yeah. we were talking about the militiamen. And in that same LA Times article, um, Paul Tremblay said about them that uh, when he was writing it, he said, I thought, I wonder if this is going to seem realistic to anybody. If anything, I probably should have given them more outlandish belief based on some of the reactions <laughs> to the coronavirus. Uh. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, yeah. The militia like, thing sticks out big time. And even to the point yeah. of like where, because like Ramola is from the UK. And they were like, where are you from, really? And the thought that someone would be, like, freaked out and offended that someone was from the UK. Because, like, a British accent, she's not white. Well, and she's yeah. not That's white. A big deal she's also not white. To them, I'm sure. But well, like, also, like, they think yeah. that she's from the UN. And they're like, oh, no, not the UN. Well, they were like, oh, you're, like. Trying, you're trying to, like, <laughs> negotiate with us and reason. <laughs> like yeah it's wild god forbid i don't know because i think people think of the uk as being like a good country to be from you know like it's not (laughs) one of the quote shithole countries yeah but she's brown to be clear quoting the president i mean it's just (laughs) i gasped yeah when they asked her where she's really from yeah I'm sure if she was a white British woman, they wouldn't that's have true. gone there. Um, yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at, too. Yeah. But still, like, they are... I, I also think that, like, to certain people, the UK has, like, some... Even though the UK is, like, also in the shit right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> they they have a, repu- a reputation of being, like... Of, of thinking they're better than us or something. But, like, Newsflash, the UK, they're just a bunch of dumb white people, too. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Also, like, <laughs> like, they started this. We are they're them. They're just like, as <laughs> xenophobic and racist as Americans are. Yeah. And, like, I mean, just look at Brexit, y'all. It's a yeah. mess over there. <laughs> so. The one thing they have is healthcare. That's what they got. And I gun control. Sharing. Yeah, that's true. Would still rather live there than here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to be sure. clear. <laughs> yes. Also, less guns. That yeah, is, that's what Susan said. She was like, cool. gun control. Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't hear you. Gun control. <gasps> yeah. Um, that's important. Yeah. It is important. We, we believe in that. Um, if you agree with us, vote. If not, stay home. <laughs> <laughs> Don't vote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Like, I mean, uh, let's let's not I think, pretend. I do think, though, that more people voting in general is better for the thing that yes. we want to happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, I can still just say. Right. And you, like, the thing that we want to happen is Moo is running for president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on a leash. On a leash. He says, keep him on a leash. Leash the guns. <laughs> 
kibble for they make scary noises. Kibble for everyone. Yes, universal kibble. Yep. Kibble for all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Cat trees in every home. Of, I was trying to think <laughs> of an equivalent for loan forgiveness, but cats, but I can't think of anything. Biting forgiveness. Mm-hmm. If you bite someone, they <laughs> forgive forgiveness. you. Um, yeah. So, please don't write in my cat, though. No, no, no. Right, no. like, vote for real. Yeah. Um, maybe. And don't write time. in Kanye. Don't uh, Kanye funny. was legit he's, he's on the ballot when I went to Kovo, and I was just oh like, really? Wait, he was? I thought he got, like, I thought his, like, he only paperwork went- wasn't squared away. He only got on the ballot in some states, right? Well, he was uh, okay. really He was not on my ballot. Only on the ballot no, in not old on my Mississippi. Wow. <laughs> so for some Oh my reason, god, that means people are actually going to fucking vote I for think him. I took a picture of it actually. <laughs> oh my god. Please, well, you are not allowed that. to take a picture of ballots in Georgia. Uh, I mean, I don't think so I was I supposed to either, but they weren't watching me. Okay, well. Well, I mean, it's not I like you posted not it. To get like my vote thrown out, so. I'm pretty sure it's like you can't post it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I didn't take a picture. Okay. I'm extra careful in Alabama because it's Alabama. So, I definitely <laughs> didn't do anything. <laughs> I yeah, I didn't to. take a picture. I did yeah. think about it. There's a picture I can't. in your brain. Uh, well, forever. don't vote for him if he's on your ballot and don't write in if he's spoiler not on your alert. I did result. not vote for Kanye. <laughs> I'm so proud Good. of you, Mary. I would stop being friends with you. <laughs> okay, back to this book. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have picked such a current event book all if you didn't want us to riff on Kanye. But. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave all that in there. Also, yeah. <laughs> so get the feds get are gonna ready. come for Mary for not mm-hmm. taking a picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she did not take she the picture. She didn't take the picture, so let her vote count. Anyway, <laughs> to, I'm just gonna totally take this car and. Veer it on a totally different yes. track. I'm loving these car metaphors because there was a lot of like driving around in this book. A lot of driving <laughs> around. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the actual story because we've been talking a lot about like the themes and how mm-hmm. it relates to current events, but there's also like a story in mm-hmm. this book. Um, <laughs> so how do we feel about the way Tremblay chooses to tell the story through? Ramola, Ramola, mm-hmm. Ramola, Rams through Rams and Nats. Uh, did these characters and their stories work for us? And here's another little quotey quote. This is my last quote I have from this article. I promise. Um, Trimley said, "I wanted to make the story a little bit smaller and more personal. I didn't want to focus on the CDC and the government response. I wanted to focus on a small local hospital's response to something like this. What would that be like?" So that was kind of his um, intent behind this. Mm-hmm. How do we feel like it worked? How do we feel about these characters and their story? I mean, I like that it was, like, told through a concentrated lens on these two people. It's nice that one of them happened to be a mm-hmm. doctor. Um, but I think that if you think – and not – I mean, I hate to keep relating it to COVID, but, like, it's really hard oh, yeah. not to. But if you <laughs> – if you think back to anticipating the, that. If you think back to the beginning <laughs> of that, when you just like when you kind of first were hearing about it, it felt like a really far away mm-hmm. thing um, that was going to go away before it got got here, quote unquote. LOL. Um, 
Yeah, or that if it did get here, like, you know, we had that shit figured out and it was going to be fine. It wasn't really until you started, like, hearing, I think, individual stories like Mm -hmm. that or of, like, a family where two people got it and they both died. Like, before it was personalized, I don't think anyone here was taking it seriously at all. Um, It took, like, massive crisis for anything like that to happen. So I think, like, with this, telling it right through just these two people well, and her husband who – um, Natalie's husband who dies immediately. Who's named like, Paul. Paul did it to himself. Oh yeah. Um, I, like that, that makes it like serious and scary and really yeah. immediate mm-hmm. right away. Well, and I mean, relating it back to COVID again, like there are still people who don't take it seriously because they don't know anybody right. personally who's been affected by it. Or their community like, well, is not super is affected. Fine. Yeah. So, just because there are personal stories. And one of the things that really struck me, especially, like, getting back to that section that I read about Louise, is that I think one of the things this book is pointing out, too, that I think we can relate to COVID is um, even if and when we beat this thing and try to get back to a normal life and everything, even when all of that happens and like, it seems like, you know, like we've moved on, there's still many Mm -hmm. people, many, many people who can't because they've died or they've Mm -hmm. lost a loved one or, you know, so like, even if it doesn't, COVID doesn't destroy the world and destroy the United States or like whatever, even if, that doesn't happen. Like, that doesn't mean that, like... It's fine. Millions of lives weren't changed right. forever. Yeah. Because That's what it, upsets right? me so much about people who are like, well, you can't just... If you're just going to let all this time go by and you won't make these memories that you could have had with your family and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, I would like to have memories going forward yeah. with them. And, like, if mm-hmm. my family yeah. dies, then I don't get to have normal yeah. ever. Like... Right. And right. neither do you. Like, just... <sighs> okay. Right. <sighs> And like my being allowed to spend time with my family and friends does not like make it's not more important than like uh, other people's lives. Like it's just not right. Oh yeah, same. And like which I think like to bring it back to this question and back to Ramola and Natalie, (laughs) like some of the decisions that these people that the two of them make are so selfish and so bad. Mm -hmm. And like yeah. honestly, like I had a hard time caring about them because, like honestly, mm-hmm. okay. First of all, Ramola puts a ton of people at risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, all to, and I get like this is your best friend. I understand, but also like you are like you're a doctor. You're supposed to understand like the responsibility that you have to like protect other people, and you're. And she reflects on that and says she understands that. But, like, understanding that you're doing something bad and still doing it, like, doesn't make it... It doesn't make it okay. And also, (laughs) like, Natalie, to ask your friend to promise to adopt your child is just, like, I cannot imagine a more selfish thing to do in your final moments. Like, are you (laughs) kidding me? Like, you're gonna, like, you're basically either 
you're you're plaguing your friend who is single, does not have other kids, doesn't seem to want kids, doesn't seem to want that. She definitely yeah. didn't want kids. Like, she basically she said that at the beginning. Like, by the way, I don't, before any of the story happens, I just want everyone yeah. to know I she don't want yeah. kids. That like, that's at how the all. story starts. And Natalie's like, oh, well, like, my family are, like, kind of mean, and I don't, I didn't want to go see them. And it's not like, like, we don't get a whole backstory on her family, but I don't get the sense that there was, like, some kind of, like, abusive situation. She was basically like, oh, we don't get along. And so I don't want my kid mm-hmm. to end up with either sets of grandparents. I want you to adopt them. And I want you to promise me right now as I'm dying that you're going to. And it's like three separate times. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. okay, first of all, like, even if, like, like you know that you're going to die and that maybe she's making a false promise. But either way, like, you're either saddling your best friend who you supposedly care about and love with a responsibility for her entire life or with guilt for her entire life that she did not do what you asked her to do in your dying moments. Or, like, if the baby yeah. dies, there's guilt around that, too. Like, I said I was going to take care of this baby. She made me promise. And right. the baby died. And that's not anything that she can even control. But there's right. guilt Right. Like, I didn't that. successfully yeah. save this child. Like, there's it was just real fucked up. And I'm like, I know you have rabies brain, but, like, <laughs> you know what you're doing at this point. And it's, like, it's selfishness out of desperation, I think, though. Yeah. I mean, we don't we don't know what's uh, what the deal with her parents is, but I'm just thinking about myself because I often like to put myself in the shoes of people in the book and think, what would I do? <laughs> um, like, I don't, I don't know what I would do. Well, it's just her her deciding that the life of her child is more important than the life of her friend, the life that her friend wanted to have. Yeah. You know? Like, more important, like, I'm making this decision. I was just gonna say, like, also, they get on this bus with, like, newborn babies. That's the really egregious <laughs> like, part. Um, but I think, and again, like, relating this back to COVID, and I think this is something we've all kind of um, complain about off the podcast mm-hmm. is like there's this in America there's this big sense of exceptionalism where it's like but I'm a special case where like mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this mm-hmm. thing because like it's me you know yeah and, and like individualism like. where yeah he, like I like I'm the only one who matters in my own life. Like, I'm the main character of my own life. Yeah. As if everyone mm-hmm. else isn't also the main character of their own life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just, I 100% agree that, like, both Ramola and Natalie at different points in the story make selfish decisions. But also, if this had been, like, a scoped out look at a pandemic with, like, Lots of different characters looking at, like, the infrastructure side of it. I don't know that I would have cared. I think it would have felt completely overwhelming, especially reading it right now. Whereas I could really hone in on these two characters. And even more so, Louise and Josh. Like, I was so interested in their story, even though we don't get a lot of it. should I just go ahead and say this then? Um... Because I put this note at the end, but I just want to yeah. briefly mention that Luis and Josh are also characters in Paul Tremblay's 2017 novel, um, Disappearance at Devil's Rock. Um, and Tremblay does this a lot. Which now I um, want to read it. 
pretty much like all of his stories are connected in some way, sort of like Stephen King does, um, where there's like crossover moments between all of his stories. Um, I don't really have anything to say about that. I just think it's important to mention and acknowledge. So yeah, like if you're interested in those characters, well, they do show up in other Tremblay stuff. So well, like Luis and Josh. And their interlude is, I think, maybe the most beautiful part of the book. That was, like, honestly the one part of this book that, like, like, transcended just, like, me reading a book. And I was like, okay. I was just kind of, like, going along with it. And then that part happened. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that was so amazing. Uh, Mm. But I think I just... I had an, an easier time, like, feeling sympathy for those characters, I think. Because I, mm-hmm. and I know that I'm just being, I'm I'm not fully thinking through, like, the desperation that happens in situations like this and, like, accepting that people would make really selfish decisions. But I'm also, like, I, like, both of these characters did stuff that to me feels, like, unforgivable. <laughs> so I'm, like, by right. the time it, like, the end came around, I was just, like, I don't care about Natalie. Um, I don't, well, I also don't, like, care that much about, like this idea of like a child like i don't know i also am not a parent so for me it's it's hard for me to really care when it's like oh an infant might not be born i'm like i don't care (laughs) which is like really interesting like like, what i was gonna say earlier that i think is connected to this is for me like one of the big problems was um the friendship wasn't like I don't know that I, like, really believed in the closeness of their friendship, and I don't know, like, what I would have needed to have Mm -hmm. that, because, like, obviously, like, he tries to build backstory in this, but, Mm -hmm. like, I I just didn't really, like, buy it. Yeah, I agree, and I think... Maybe if I, like, believed in the friendship more, like, cared about the friendship more, then the desperation would have been easier to go along with as well. Mm. Yeah, I think, like... Part of it to me was that I kind of felt like Natalie was a little underdeveloped. I felt like I had more of a sense of Romola as a character. But Natalie, I yeah. was I'm not like too I, I just don't really know who she was. And I know that for like a large section of the book, she was like losing her mind. So it's mm. it's hard. But um yeah, I think that there was just something about their story that, like, wasn't working for me or, in, like, affecting me emotionally. Like, the moment at the at the end or near the end when, like, she finally gets the baby out and all that stuff is supposed to be, I assume, like, a very emotional moment. But I just felt nothing. Um, oh, no. But also, again, like, maybe I'm just uh, not I mean- a sensitive person. <laughs> Like, on the flip side of that, I read the last chapter and the epilogue of this book in the cafeteria today. Uh Like, I was with my students in the cafeteria, and I was reading while they were eating lunch. And I started crying. Yeah, this book did not make me cry. In the lunchroom! (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sorry that you cried in the lunchroom. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, I hope nobody noticed. I hope none of these teens pick on me. 
Also, I just want to clarify, I'm not saying that, like, losing a child is not, a, or even yeah, before right. it's born, is not a big deal. Like, obviously it is. Um, it just felt, it felt like the stakes were extremely high for, like, to, like, save this one person mm-hmm. um, that didn't exist yet, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I do think, though, that Natalie, I don't think Natalie got hardcore about saving the baby until it was clear that she also wasn't going to live because she did have that. There's a couple times when she mentions that like, it's, it's about her living and that if the vaccine is going to save her, but kill the baby, that's fine. Right. And then like, she's going to try to live first. So is that Um, just like a legacy thing? Is that like a, I want part of myself to continue to exist in the world after me, which is just like another thing of like a whole other thing that we can get into about having kids at all. (laughs) But I mean, also, you know, like she knows (laughs) that's not a thing that I relate to at all anyway. Like that's never been when I've thought about reasons I may want to eventually maybe probably (laughs) not have kids. It's not. It's never to do yeah, with a that. A lot of people do feel that <laughs> way. Though. It's, it's, it's true. It's kind of a yeah. I, I know, but have. I just yeah. I will yeah. say though, one thing um, that was probably. really effective <laughs> to me about Natalie's story is just the idea of slowly losing your mind. Yeah, um, is horrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so to watch that happening was scary. Well, she's quickly losing her mind. <laughs> like, not Very even. quickly. Yeah, well, some of, that's why some of her recordings did kind of get to me, because while that is, like, for the baby to potentially know who she is, it also kind of feels like it's for yeah. her. Because there's no guarantee this baby's going to make it any further than she yeah. does, really. So it kind of feels like she's just trying to say, mm-hmm. she's just trying to get out there, like, this is who I am, and I was a person. Yeah. And... Whether anyone hears this, like, I've gotten it out there and it exists. And, like, I used to be. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, an urgency to it. And she just rambles on and on in these yeah. messages. And it feels like, yes, I want my kid to know who I am. But also just, like, I have to document. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's my thing about the recording sections is that I listen to this whole book on audio. And here's mm-hmm. the part where I say that the audiobook narrator was bad because she was. And uh, she really was not selling those recorded yeah. sections. It was so awkward. I was like, this in no universe would a real person be saying this. And I'm like, I'm sure if like an actress was reading these lines, it it would be more believable. But she was just like reading it like she's reading like, and like putting oh, well. a little bit of effort into it to make it, but not enough. And it was just really uncomfortable. Um, I'm very sad that you didn't. I'm sorry, I'm, like, making it. I'm very sad that you don't have the book, because, look, you get these fun, like, creepy pages. Ooh. Oh. Wait, what? Oh. It's got, like, little spots on them, like, blood. It's like, oh, this paper oh, is old. What? We found it in an abandoned in, zombie pile. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I read it on Kindle, so I didn't get that either. Oh, wow. Boo. Well, it's very I cool. do. I kind of wish. I, the narrator wasn't. Wasn't my favorite she either. Bad. She also did a terrible British. There were some times when she sounded like, she sounded pretty robotic. Well, I said to so Emily, I, I was like, she sounds like Siri. <laughs> okay, yes, she sounds that's like not good. You know those TikToks where people like ha- they have Siri like read like yeah. their pets' yeah. thoughts. Sometimes it sounded like that voice was coming yeah, out of my phone. Yeah, it was just not good. 
where I'd be like, whoa, I what? couldn't have done it. And then anytime, well, I mean, to the point where I thought, like, am I listening to a recording of something inside the book that's happening? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, nope, that's just and her voice. Anytime she did any dialogue from Romola was spoken in like the worst British accent Ooh. ever. Um, they should have just got a British person to read it because most of it is from her perspective, right? Yeah. Like, why not? Um, and you know, you don't have. I don't know. It was just. It was bad. All she was also she was doing the like she did like her teenage boy voices that were terrible. Where she was like, "Oh, dude, blah blah blah," and I was like, "I'm gonna <laughs> fucking kill someone if I have to listen to one more minute of this." Somehow, I still managed to like really care about uh, Luis and Josh, though. So I guess the writing truly transcended that awful, awful performance. Teenage boy is a good. Uh, the mention of those two is a good segue into the the is it a zombie story? Oh yeah, because oh, yes. they Luis. <laughs> Luis and Josh are very certain that this is a zombie mm-hmm. apocalypse. Rams is very adamant that these are not zombies. But how many times in a zombie story oh, is yeah. somebody like, this isn't zombies, right? Yeah. So, like, is this a zombie story? Yeah, I think so. I have a hot take. Oh. Okay, good. Give me it. I think most stories that we think of as zombie stories are not really zombie stories because they're not about the zombies. Mm-hmm. Like um, The Walking Dead, I like I haven't seen a ton of the TV show, but going off like the comic book, the zombies are like weather. And Robert Kirkman has said this too. I'm not going to act like I'm brilliant and I'm coming up with it, but like <laughs> Robert Kirkman said this about The Walking Dead: the zombies are like weather. They come in sometimes, and they cause trouble, and they cause, um, like, conflict to break out, but the story is not about the zombies. We're not supposed to care about the zombies. I have another hot take on that, though. Yeah. That's true of every horror story. Yeah. Doesn't mean mean, it's not a horror story. Yeah, like, Like, if if a book is about... If a book has ghosts in it, I'm like, that story is a ghost story. Or, it, like, right. has, you know, like, sure. I think of... And, like, if you're, like, a vampire story. Like, if the vampires aren't yeah. important characters, but they're in it, like, the, the don't fear know. is vampire. Like, is Buffy about vampires? Not really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but also there are characters that are vampires that are developed, but like Natalie the zombies are becomes not, a like, zombie, <laughs> so ever. is she like, not like? I I don't know. I just feel like like you can say that about every like every genre like genre stories in general is like I don't know. Like oh, Hereditary. It's a horror story, but really, it's about family and grief. Like well, that's also, just how stories work. Like, zombies are are specific in this way where like they don't have like once they become zombies except for like in certain rare stories where they're like the zombies are halfway zombies kind like, of, like uh in the flesh or the disney channel original movie zombies yes yeah. uh or the girl with all the gifts <laughs> like we have like yeah. a zombie that has like functioning thought but a lot of times in in that stories, was an equal example to my Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Same quality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but, like, zombies often, like, don't have, like, the ability to right. be characters because they're just 
monsters. Like, a person can be a character until they become a zombie, and then they're no Mm -hmm. longer that person. Mm -hmm. But I would still call it a story about zombies if the story is centered around the fact that there are zombies happening. Yeah. You know? I guess my resistance is just, like... I don't know. I don't like zombie stories. Yeah. Usually. And I guess, like, I have kind of a resistance to the whole sort of, like, subgenre of zombie stories because there's nothing interesting to do with a zombie that's, like, a traditional zombie, in my opinion. Right? Like, they bite people. They... Roam around like none of that is interesting to me. Whereas, like, I would be interested in finding out a ghost's motivations, or I would be interested in finding out how like vampires work or what they want because they're all sort of like sentient in a sense. Yeah, like a zombie is just a monster. Yeah. So I guess like that's my resistance to it. And I think if you want to have a successful zombie story, I'll succeed to saying it's a zombie story. Yeah, there's zombies in it. (laughs) Like, if you want to have a good zombie story, though, you need to be doing something else besides zombies. Like, you can't just be dealing with the zombies the whole time because that's boring. But I think that's true of horror in general is like I don't I mean it's horror it's horror but it's also like about something else sure like yeah a movie that I will be talking about in uh Spooktober Bad Hair Mm. it is a movie about a killer weave don't get me wrong (laughs) but there's other things happening in it it's not just about the killer weave you know like, yeah. well, you always have to have, like, the human element for a story to be interesting yeah, to us. Exactly. Basically. Like, Jaws. It's not just about a shark, but it's a killer shark movie. It's right. still a killer shark yeah. movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, if somebody was like, I would say that this is not. Movie, I'd be like, uh, excuse me? Like, it's a shark movie. <laughs> I want to say that this is not a zombie story, story in the traditional mm-hmm. sense, but are these. The only, like, is the question here just, like, are they zombies? Yeah. Because I think they are. Okay. I think they're not, but I don't really know why I think that. (laughs) So I'm just going to talk through it a little bit. Yeah, do it. I'm kind of with you. (laughs) The fact that... The fact that the two teenagers are so convinced that it is a a zombie apocalypse is because, like, there is nothing else to compare this to. They've not seen, like, a disease that makes people attack other things, whether it's people or whatever. But, I mean, so they have zombie qualities after they get sick because they then will infect other people. That's how rabies do, though. Yeah. Like, to me, that's, like, just... That's the disease and not, (laughs) not, like, this isn't a zombie apocalypse. This is uh, an yeah. epidemic. I say epidemic, not pandemic, because it gets mm-hmm. contained. It's just there is um, <laughs> But there is that conversation between Ramola and the two teenagers when they're like going to kill that infected yeah. man, and she's like, "Don't do that." Yeah, and they're like, "Why? He's infected. He's a zombie. He's going to kill us. He's going to kill us." And she's like, "No, he's a human mm-hmm. man who is infected with something." You can't just kill him. 
Yeah, he's sick. So, I mean, that's that's the tension. Yeah, he's sick with an untreatable of the whole thing, right? As like virus that will cause him to kill other people, and it's not like you can like put him in a holding cell and keep him alive until they find a cure. Like this man is gonna die either way, and it's just a matter of is he gonna kill other people on his way to dying? Yeah, like that's just. Well, then is it more humane to kill him right then or to let him die? To kill him right then so he doesn't kill other people. But he can't move. He couldn't move. His legs are Well, then kill him because he's in pain. (laughs) Like, Uh, I don't think it's... It's a hard answer. I think it's... I mean, it is, like, a matter of opinion, I guess. But if I was, like, in a situation where I was... Um, dying of an uncurable illness and my legs were broken and I was gonna just lay there and die, I'd be like, go ahead and kill me now. <laughs> like, yeah, I probably would too. But I think what that scene is trying to, like, ask the reader to think about is, so when do we yeah, start Yeah, when do you stop people? being a person like, and start being, when like, you become a monster? unsavable? Well, and, like, with people preemptively killing animals Mm, before they're infected instead of vaccinating animals before they're infected. Like, I think that's what it's trying to get at is, like, at what point is it better to shoot him? And when are you not? And also, like, if you're taking more and more preemptive measures, are you just going to see somebody get bit and immediately kill them? Well, no, you would. I say the militia. militia, Yes, 100 percent would. (laughs) I would think that you would try to get them somewhere or, you know, like, find a way to contain them, you know, and let them die on their own, I guess. But, like, if you – if they are – if they have access to other people, like, and they're going to kill other people and there's no way Mm -hmm. to help them, then I don't know. I mean, I I say kill them. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Kelly says, <laughs> "This is the episode where I Kelly said if you get the flu, no you soul. should be shot." <laughs> um, yeah, I I'm kind of with Susan here, though. I feel like this is a this is about a virus. It's not about mm-hmm. um, zombies. I don't know. So this is why I said <laughs> no, but I don't know why because I don't. I don't know if there's like one classic definition that I'm well, trying I know to find. Like different types of zombies. <laughs> yeah, like I know yeah. that there's the undead where they die first and then they come back. Yeah, as I think yeah. the best part of it is it's like these aren't like if you kill it, it's dead. Like it's not like these are these are living people who are sick. And usually yeah. when I think of zombie zombies, I think like if you shoot it with a gun, it's gonna keep walking. Yeah, or like. If you try to kill it, it's like it's gonna come back. You gotta cut the head off. Like they're also you know, not like, like hungering for human flesh, right? They're just angry. I think, yeah, yeah, they're just violent. I, I, I guess I think of zombies as almost being like, um, just the body a is puppet. just like hosting. Yeah, the yeah for cortisol. Whereas this, like, even though they're far gone and are not like. In a in their right state of mind, it is still a person still talking. It might not make any who sense has life saying, in them. They're, they're not like, <laughs> yeah. They said some weird things, which was my favorite, honestly, because I was just like, this truly seems like a brain that can't focus. Yeah. 
when Ramala described the way that Natalie was talking at the end as like the mumblings of someone talking in their sleep, mm-hmm. it just it made me think of all those. I mean, have you ever woken yourself up by talking like as you're falling yes. asleep and you've said yes. like the weirdest fucking oh, shit yeah. ever? Um, that <laughs> I just I think of all the things that I hear like Justin say when he's falling asleep. Oh, yeah. And next time that happens, I'm gonna be like, "Do you have rabies?" See, I have no idea. <laughs> Are if you I talk okay? In my sleep, or if anyone else does, because I sleep alone and have for a very long time. <laughs> But I have woken my own self up before yeah. by talking, Probably, like, and I've time. heard the weird shit that came out of my mouth and been like, or "What?" When I'm really sleepy, where did that I'm still come awake, from? and I'm like having to stay awake, but I'm like getting really sleepy, and I'm yeah. talking to somebody, like I'll start saying nonsense. One night, even when I'm like I'm sitting up, like right now, <laughs> just <do laughs> one night for the last I woke hour, up and I and <laughs> said, "Dust slugs." Yep, totally. <laughs> And I said, what? Because I didn't know. We had just, like, just gotten married. And I was like, hmm? What's that? <laughs> dust slugs. There's dust in the slugs and they're coming. It was wow. it's true. <gasps> so ominous. And the next day, I was like, do you know what a dust slug is? <laughs> and he was like, who told you about dust slugs? No, what? What is <laughs> Should we do ratings? Yes. Yeah. I'll yep. just bump us off because I know I'm going to have the wildest rating. I gave it a five. All right. All right. I really, I really love it. I this saw book. that on Goodreads earlier and I, I was surprised. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Awesome. Um, I am going to take it down to a three. <laughs> uh, this is Kelly. I didn't, like, I think part, part, part of it. Was partly, partly, it was the <laughs> the narrator, which I I I always do this. I'm always it's like, I wish I would have read that. But then it was like, I read it really fast, and it was very satisfying to finish a book that quickly because I listened to it on like 1.3 speed or something. Um, but uh, I I just kind of felt like I never. The only time when I felt really like I was feeling something was during that interlude section. Um, And the rest of it, I was kind of, I felt a little bit disconnected from the entire story. I think partially, like, I knew that it was going to be about a virus of some kind. And then when I realized it was about rabies I sort and zombies, I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be about, like, kind I was, like, wanting it almost to be more similar to what we're going through because I wanted to be scared. (laughs) Um... But I was just kind of, I think I had different expectations for what it would be. And then I was, like, not into the characters. And, uh, yeah. But I I thought it was well-written. And, like, I it was certainly, like, you know, I was interested the whole time. Like, I was never, I'm like, I'm bored and I don't want to keep reading it or anything. So, three. Susan? Yeah, I'm going to go right in the middle of those. Give it a four. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Emily, now you have to do two <laughs> no, so we can no. really spread it out. <laughs> no. um, I have the same rating as one of you guys. I'll say that. But we'll oh. let you go first, Susan. Uh, Whoa. Who's it going to be? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I really, I enjoyed it, which I'm surprised that I did because as soon as I knew it was about a virus, I was like, I'm not going to be able to handle it. I can't. I'm not going to like it. But I really, I did enjoy it. Um, unlike Kelly, I did, I, I thought the friendship was believable and I was, I was there for it. <laughs> so, um, I'm not giving it a five because I don't think it's going to like stick with me, I'm, but I'm giving it a four instead of a three because I really, I liked the writing a lot and I'm, I was mm. already asking Emily today about the next Paul Tremblay yeah. book that I should read. That, that was I'm my excited goal. for the next. So is it head full of ghosts? That's what she yeah. told yeah, me. Yeah, I would. Um, I'm curious. <laughs> but she also told that. me that, was it growing things? Yeah. So, so I'll tack that at the end of my rating since I have read other Paul Tremblay. Um, I'm also giving this a four. Um, I really enjoyed it. But like I said, I, I did have a little bit of issue with the friendship. I think part of the, like, I don't know. But the thing is, like, I don't know how he could have done it differently. Because one of the things that this novel is doing is like we're we start right in the middle of the action that that's on purpose like it has a very quick Mm -hmm. clock um but part of the problem with that is you just don't get the same amount of character development that you get otherwise and then to me anytime the character development was shoved in there felt a little false i don't but i don't know how i would have fixed that so like i'm trying I'm trying to understand what the novel is trying to do and not fault it too much for that because I did really enjoy it. It was a really quick read, but it wasn't one of those things where I was like, this is quick and like light and easy and it didn't make me think because like there was definitely a lot going on in it. And I thought it was really well written. Um, I'm always hmm. very impressed. Like, obviously, I love horror fiction. That's probably pretty obvious if you've, like, read the blog or, like, listened to any of this podcast. Um, I'm always really impressed with horror authors who are able to um, write descriptions really well because I think descriptions in horror novels can really... um, It's hard. Yeah, they're hard. Um, And I think it can really, like, make or break the horror elements. And I think... This book gets really gory, but in a, like, artful way. Um, The way that the violence is described is horrifying because it's, like, described in ways that, like, I haven't heard gore described before. And so, like, this seems weird to be, like, I really enjoyed it because, like, of the way it described the blood and shit. But, like, I really did. Um, (laughs) I think Paul Tremblay is really good at, like, horrific descriptions um and if you read head full of ghosts mm-hmm. i'm sure you'll see what i mean <laughs> but um head full of ghosts was my first paul tremblay novel and i know it's like like his big breakout novel so like if somebody is like trying to get into paul tremblay and is like wondering like what should i read next i would definitely recommend that one um and uh the other Paul Tremblay book that I've read is a collection of short stories called Growing Things. And one of the cool things about Growing Things, if you're into the whole, like, fact that he references his other work, is, like, all of those stories are kind of, like, referencing each other in a weird way. And some of it's kind of metafictional. And then there is also mm-hmm. a reference to Headful of Ghosts, because in Headful of Ghosts, the two sisters in that story are like telling each other a story called growing things. And then that story, it becomes the title story of the short story collection. Whoa. So it's really like, I think it's really cool how he does that. And like, obviously 
there's still more of his work that I need to read to kind of like get all of those connections. Like I hadn't read the other book with Josh and Luis in it, the um, disappearance at devil's rock. And I really want to, but like mm-hmm. I've, I'm pretty enthusiastic about his work. Like I haven't disliked anything I've read of his. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I was excited to share this. And he teaches high school too. And he teaches high school math. Like that's pretty cool. I am yeah. shook. Hold on. I didn't even realize it was math. Yeah. <laughs> he's a high I was amazed that he taught high school English. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a high school Which he math doesn't. teacher. So. Um, just to add on one quick thing about the, like, horror description writing, I can see why he gets compared to Stephen King. That's something that I think Stephen King does really well. Maybe he hates getting compared to Stephen King. I don't know. I feel like most horror authors either get a, like, he's not Stephen King or he is Stephen King or she. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ladies write books, too. We know. Um, But I I do, I think, like, in a good way. Yeah. I think he does a lot of the good things that Stephen King does well. And I think some things he might even do better. So I want to read some more of that. And he's definitely an author that I would recommend for people who are like, I really like Stephen King horror novels. Like, what other horror authors should I read? Like, this would be one that I think would be good. Yeah. And not necessarily, I don't think their writing style is necessarily the same, but I think they focus on a lot of the same type of details, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Stephen King enough to recommend to Stephen King fans, but not at all like a Stephen King ripoff or anything. Like he's definitely doing his own thing. That's all I was going to say. I can see why you think that I, a Stephen King fan would like this book (laughs) and would like some of his other stuff. So, um, cool. Good job, everyone. (laughs) I'm really excited that I picked out this book like a year ago and that we finally got it to it at the, in these unprecedented times. (laughs) So yeah, these times it had to be said. Couldn't get through this whole episode without saying unprecedented at least once. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And on that note, should we get to the listener feedback? Yes. We have more feedback than ever before. Truly. We did a super popular book. We can each read one. There's four of them. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, who wants to read this first one? I will. I can read it. Okay. Uh, Karina from Rotterdam, the Netherlands. What? What? Uh, Karina also has a podcast called A Story of Sorts. So you should check that podcast out as well. Karina says, hey, here are my thoughts on The Vanishing Half. I just finished it and it immediately became one of the best books I've read this year. The family relationships, the race reflections, and the fact that this that it is a book filled with suspense and things to figure out along the way. Bennett's writing style really draws you in and you just want to carry on reading. Amazing writing, amazing plot, and I already ordered The Mothers because I definitely want to read more of Bennett. Yeah. It's a story that lingers in your mind long after you've closed the book. Well, I think you're I agree. Love I the wasn't, mothers, Karina. I wasn't. Yeah. You're going to love the mothers. We also have an episode yes. about the mothers. Yeah. So go back to that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't, unfortunately didn't get to be on the Vanishing Half episode, but I did 
really love this book. So I agree with Korea. Oh, good. I like that during these feedbacks, Mary can jump in and give her own since she (laughs) wasn't here. Um. All right, uh, another Vanishing Half feedback. This is uh, RJ from Chicago. Hi, this is RJ from (laughs) Chicago, and I'm a new listener. I read The Vanishing Half recently, and it is by far one of the best books I've read all year. And I've read 73 books so far, according to my Goodreads challenge. RJ is that is impressive. That's a lot of books ahead of me. I think I found this book masterful for various reasons. In spite of the heavy subject matter and some of the horrifying and haunting moments in the book, there was something so inviting about Britt Bennett's prose. I found myself immersed in the story, and I happily followed the flow and memories. Overall, I enjoyed the nonlinear sequence of events. Another reason I loved this book was how Bennett handled the trans character Reese, aside from the dead naming, but that's another story. He never has a coming out scene or this big reveal needing to explain himself to Jude. I love that his being trans wasn't the main focus of their relationship. He's a guy and it's that simple. And as it was mentioned on the podcast, Jude and Reese have the most, have the best and most hopeful relationship in the book. As a gender fluid person, I found all of that so refreshing. I had read some negative comments saying that the relationship between Jude and Reese was unrealistic because it was a happy one. It was so disheartening that some readers are conditioned to think that queer characters, especially trans characters, need to be tragic to make sense or be authentic. So I have so much praise for Bennett's choices with Reese and Jude. I really enjoyed your discussion, and I look forward to the next episode. I I can't agree more. I think it's really depressing that people are like, oh, they're too happy. Mm -hmm. This can't be real or I can't enjoy this because they're happy. Like, let people be happy. I mean, also, there was a lot going on in that book that was not happy. (laughs) So it's okay for (laughs) there to be one storyline that is positive. And it's also... I'm getting that. It's not like Reese and Jude had no struggles right. or conflict in their relationship. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's, it's not just like it was that easy. those struggles and conflict were not about Reese's right. transness. And, like they were, like mm-hmm. they got a happy ending of the book. It's not like you know the book went on to say that they got married and died within one moment of each other holding hands. Like <laughs> we have no, no idea. Like <laughs> I see you, Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, welcome, welcome, new listener RJ. Thank you for writing. Thank you. Thank you. We 100 percent agree with you, so you can keep listening. (laughs) Please do. I'm just teasing. You can you can listen anyway, but we like the. I think a lot of people will disagree with anyway. What a heartless person I am on this episode. (laughs) If anyone's a new listener, um, (laughs) I promise I'm. She's always like this. Okay. Well, I mean. Um, This is from Darcy from Wyoming. Hey, ladies. The Finishing Half was a great read. I found the story fascinating in a page turner. I love the sister who moved back home. I would be that sister. I liked her book Mothers much better. Same girl, same. And to the question of favorite twin stories, the very old movie The Parent Trap, Haley Mills starred. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You are all amazing, wonderful ladies. I hope you're all wearing your mask. I am. I hate getting the COVID test. Love you, Darcy. Oh, Darcy, we love you too. And um, I have gotten the COVID test twice in the past month. Me too. I've gotten it. Yeah, it's not great. It wasn't pleasant, but I'm happy to do it. Yeah, so we are all wearing our masks, and we're glad you are too. And everybody else Mm -hmm. should be doing that also. And, um, Darcy, I have to say about the Parent Trap, the Haley Mills version, um, my 
my dad's mom used to record, um, like she would record movies when they played on TV onto a VHS tape for me. So I had all these like bootleg VHS copies of everything, but that was one of the, the VHS tapes that I had from her. And I used to watch that Very thing. Good. So yeah. often I loved it. Haley Mills had such a weird haircut. Um, yep. <laughs> it did not stand the test of time, but that is a great, that's it a great is. movie. That's the one it that is. I watched the most also. So that was my, my version of the parent trap growing up as well. I, Very good. I felt really cool when, when the Lindsay Lohan one came out and I could, Act like I know this movie. You know, like, I like this before. Yeah, was I was cool. about this before. Yeah, y'all I even saw knew about the Lindsay it. Lohan right. one first, and then my mom was like, "We have to watch the original." And I watched that, and I was like, "Where's Lindsay Lohan?" <laughs> so. Oh man, Kelly is once again showing her baby. I'm baby. Um, okay, so I'll read the final letter. Thank you for writing in, Darcy. Yeah. Um, Thanks, okay. Darcy. This one is from Jordan in Baltimore City. Hey, everybody. It's Jordan again, and I currently live in Baltimore City. Because I asked last time, please tell us where you are. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for letting us know. (laughs) Um, I said this last time, but yeah, I gave The Vanishing Half four stars. I had to go back to my Goodreads to see what I wrote about it. I said Jude was by far my favorite character. This may just be me, but I didn't feel as majorly impacted by the story as I expected to. Maybe that's my fault for expecting so much, but oh well. I still did really enjoy it and would totally recommend. I decided to try and read all the past books, too. I got Here I Am recently, and wow, this is a big book to start off with. I'll read it sooner or later. Wow, going all the way back to the beginning. (laughs) Cry laugh emoji. (laughs) Um, Towards the end of your podcast, you were all talking about Stephen King. As a new listener, it took me slightly too long to realize all of the sarcasm. I think we were probably being sarcastic about how we never talk about Stephen King or something, since we always do. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because... Oh, perfect example. We yeah. did it again today. Um, yeah, we always do talk. Or I did it. I Dang feel it. like we bring we up Stephen King do. every episode. Um, <laughs> Stephen King lives in our heads rent free. Um, <laughs> says, I read my first King book last month. It was Pet Cemetery. I gave it five stars, but I do feel like it was a, really a four star read, and I was just excited to have read a King book finally. That's um, fair. Right now, I am about a quarter through it. Stephen King is it. <laughs> Which I always have to say. Um, we'll see it's, how long until I finish it. It it, it took it. me a whole year. You want to talk about a long <laughs> yeah, book? God, I mean, I was That's in the a fifth long book, grade, and but it's buckle still took up me a for that year. last third. <laughs> sixth grade, um, sixth grade, sixth, sixth grade. grade. Okay. I was in the sixth grade. The child orgy was a little easier to handle at that point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought of a random question school. for everybody, and I hope this hasn't been discussed before. What is your favorite thing to eat for breakfast? I eat tofu scramble all the time. Looking mm, forward to the next episode, scramble. Jordan. Oh my gosh, that's an amazing um, question. I love breakfast. It's my favorite time of the day because it's just such an optimistic <laughs> time. I've got so much food ahead of me mm-hmm. to look forward to, <laughs> and I'm just like mm-hmm. starting things off. Um, what I've been eating a lot lately is uh, grits and eggs. Yes. I like to just put scrambled I eggs love on top grits of the and grits, eggs. and I put some yes. bacon cheese on it, and it's very good. That's, that's like also my, I don't know if it's my favorite thing for breakfast. Like if I want to feel fancy, I will sometimes make an avocado toast at home, oh, I love an which avocado I really toast. enjoy and put a fried egg on top. Ew. But if I like truly my soul breakfast food, like my heart's breakfast food is grits and eggs and 
specifically fried eggs, specifically with a runny yolk, and then you mix it all up because my grandmother used to make that for me when I was a kid, and we would eat that on breakfast or for breakfast for the weekends a lot. (laughs) On breakfast. (laughs) On breakfast time. (laughs) Um. Hmm. Okay. Uh. The ultimate combo is egg and avocado mm. in, like, any form. It's great if it's on toast. doesn't have to be, though. But this is what I do with breakfast. I go through these phases where I'll just eat the same thing for breakfast for, like, a two-month period. Yep. And then I'll switch to something else. So I'm going to talk about what I'm on right now. <laughs> this is riveting content. Right now, I'm eating oatmeal <laughs> with – that's it. <laughs> a little salt. Butter. That's uh-huh. it. Honey. Uh-huh. Blueberries oh. and a little bit of cream. Nice. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. You fancy? Is it good for me? Probably not. But I'm. I swear, it's like it's great running fuel because often I'll run on my lunch break when you. I eat that in the morning. I have no, amazing for you. Yeah, I run think time. that's fine. Oatmeal is good for you, right? I'm sure it is. Yeah, I mean, it's also like super carby though. Who cares? So, got, like, I guess. Girl, you've got like you've got a grain. So. You've got a fruit. You got a little natural <laughs> sugar. Got a little splash of cream for a healthy flat, a healthy fat, yeah, and to prevent osteoporosis. Um, <laughs> totally. That's totally why I was doing um, it. <laughs> as for like what I like on a daily basis, I'll usually have like pretty simple breakfast, and then on the weekend, I'll like make something more. Yeah. But like a lot of times, I'll just have like yogurt and granola or something. Um, but uh. I'm very much like a sweets for breakfast type of person. I do love mm. savory breakfast too. And that's like often what I'll have at home. But if I'm going to a restaurant, I almost always – I'll like look at the menu and I'll be like, oh, like all this savory stuff sounds good. But then I always end up picking something sweet. And usually it will be whatever the French toast offering is because I yeah. love French toast. I especially love stuffed French, French toast. toast. And I will say that the best – breakfast slash french toast that i ever had in my whole life was in new orleans when i went with emily the first time i ever went there i don't remember what restaurant that was but it was very cute and it was surreys i think probably it was the bananas foster surreys everyone surreys yep is a bananas foster french toast stuffed with cream cheese and so new orleans Mm. it was so incredible that hurts my teeth thinking about it are gonna fall out in a couple of years and i will say i I hate french toast we're talking about fancy (laughs) breakfast i want to i do want to say that the past couple of weeks and weekends ben has gone to the crate truck we have a crate truck here in town it's good and he's gotten us crepes so this last weekend i got caramel apple crepes and they were so good yeah and then before that i got what was it like berries Something, yeah, mm-hmm. it's very good. And they've got a pumpkin pie one too, which I really want to try. Oh my gosh. I oh, got a shit. peanut butter and Nutella Ugh. crepe. Sounds yeah. so good. Oh, yeah, because Ben also asked Mary and Todd if they want crepes too, because they live right next to Yeah, Todd got like a bacon and egg crepe, and I was like, Todd, this is. Savory no. crepes are stupid. <laughs> Another hot take for me today. Yeah, if if the if if I'm getting crepes, I always yeah. get a sweet. Like, I do like always. savory crepes, so I'm not gonna go there. Fine. Like a good I do like, too. spinach and egg crepe. I mean, can't can't say that I haven't gotten that before. 
But you know. keep that spinach out of my crepes. I want it to be full of like cream. And you didn't know, Jordan, when you asked this berries. question, you thought we would have quick <laughs> answers and you didn't know that it was going to be 30 minutes. But and now, yeah, you're two hours into this podcast. The third hour of this podcast will be <laughs> breakfast focused. Also, I will say. <laughs> We are not talking to very many people, so we got lots to say. <laughs> so. Um, I will say, uh, re Pet Cemetery. We did an episode on Pet Cemetery on the movie yeah, that came out movie. recently mm-hmm. that we featuring my dad. Yeah, featuring Emily's dad. Yeah, um, yeah. and yeah. who had just read the book, so yes. we did yeah, talk I, about the book I too. Read, we did. Or I read the book for that too, and I me too. Really oh, liked right. the book a lot. Um, and that was I, like I my, really love that book. I think it was my first Stephen King book, too, actually. Um, you know, Jordan, I might have given that book five stars also. It was very good. It was very good. Jordan, I know you're already reading It, and you're a quarter of the way through. Although, by the time this podcast is over, we did you might have finished it. it, too, by the way. <laughs> we did also do an episode <laughs> on talk about Stephen King all the time. Um, but I just want to recommend um, a couple of my favorite Stephen King books. If you're going to go down that rabbit hole. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm going to need you to read Misery. It's a quickie, but it's really, really good. Um, And I am a longtime fan and proponent of The Green Mile. Hmm. I read that shit in like a day. (laughs) Whoa. Which I didn't have a lot to do that day. So (laughs) that was a full day. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was full day, a lot on, lot on my plate, but it's really good. So that's two different flavors of King. I also like King. to throw <laughs> in the novella, The Body. Very good. And you can't go wrong with The Shining. You really can't. Mm-hmm. Unless you listen to the audiobook. Oh, I don't know. I will- Which I wouldn't recommend. But while you're doing novellas, The Langoliers is weird as fuck, yeah. and you might love it. It's a lot. It's, it's lot still one of my favorite. to try. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Many flavors of King. Many. We also did a, a podcast yeah. on Elevation. And we did a, po- a podcast on Doctor Sleep, <laughs> which is a short read and not scary. I don't like that one very much. Um. So what's on the blog? <laughs> There's a bunch of not uh, uh Bachelorette recaps. So many Bachelorette recaps. By now, Bachelorette recaps. This season's weird. So weird. Um, we don't know what we're doing. But in a good way. Like I'm really enjoying mm. it so far. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that um, Ben is very much, I didn't, I have not said this in the recaps, but I just want you guys to know, Ben, my husband, is very much in love with Claire, and when we're watching, if I say anything negative about Claire, he's immediately like, leave Claire jumps to her to Ben. (laughs) Yes. So. Claire, Justin has has not watched this with me this, this season. I'm sad. Incredible boobs. And and an incredible She's got a nice bot, right? Yeah, her body's banging. Um, <laughs> I'm also, into it. October is happening. As I mentioned, mm, I yes. um, did a post on bad hair. Um, I'm not quite sure. I've actually watched a lot of scary movies lately, and I'm not quite sure what my last one's going to be yet. I'm also going to watch the sequel to The Craft that's coming out this week, and I'm kind of yeah terrified, but that might be it. I don't know what it's going to be yet. But you'll know by the time this is out. I can't believe Spooktober is coming <laughs> to the end. I know, it's so sad. I wish it could be October forever. Me too. It's a year-round mood in our hearts. It's true. 
really okay. is. She'll be back uh, for Spooktober 3, colon, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of things that are moods and not a mood, change of plan. <laughs> for YA Book Club. Uh, YA Book Club. Emily and I tried very hard. We were very so <laughs> diligent. And we, we could not, just could not get into the book that we were supposed to be reading for YA Book Club. Both of us were having a really hard time with it. Maybe because we're just not in a fantasy mood. Maybe because we're burnt out on this genre. I don't know. But instead of just delaying YA Book Club forever, we just switched to a different book. Because it's okay <laughs> to not finish a book and just move on. Yeah, we're yep. trying to empower people to DNF things. This is a vibe. Yeah. Um, we have an so, episode called DNF something. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be reading A Song Below Water by Bethany C. Morrow instead, yes. which is still fantasy, but a little bit more grounded in reality and most importantly, shorter. <laughs> I, I started reading it today and I'm enjoying it so far. I have the audiobook, so I'm very excited to start it. Um, and what else is on the blog? I'm not sure. Not me. Just have to go. Look. Couldn't be me. <laughs> Hold on, let's look. Um, it's COVID times. A lot of people I, have just. Not I hope been it's not me either, because I haven't even checked. Uh, <laughs> Susan, you are supposed to. I think everybody, everybody has missed one. Yeah. At this point, it, Susan, yeah. you're supposed to have a post tomorrow. Oh, uh, that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I can post my nothing. Spooktober nothing extra is happening this week. It's one of those work weeks. It's not yeah. I'll post my um, Spooktober tomorrow. It's okay. We're making plans right here. It'll be good if Oops. I get the Bachelorette stuff done. <laughs> All right. Next, next <laughs> on the pod. It's, boom, boom, boom. Emily's been waiting for forever. Lovecraft oh Country. <laughs> I'm so excited. The show on I'm HBO. Read the book before we, we we talk about this too. Just letting y'all know. Yeah. Um, I'm leading this episode, so good luck to me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Lovecraft Country. Watch it. It's yeah, on Kelly. HBO if Max. you don't love this show, I'm gonna yell at you a whole lot. I know. I'm sure I will. Happen. I I don't really see a universe in which I don't like it. So I just feel I'm worried because I've been hyping it up so much because I adore this show. I think it's so great. I cannot wait to watch it all over again in preparation. As as we can see the. Uh, as we can see, you can't see, but there is a huge annotated H.P. Lovecraft book behind me, his complete works. So he, you know, the racist spirit of H.P. Lovecraft will be here oh, with God. me. Shining upon oh, us God. as we Should record. Should we just stare he'll just burning be, of- He'll just be back there like, <laughs> spinning and spinning in his grace. Yes. Dr- Do you think he'd be mad that there's the a Jew on your podcast? Yes, he would. He would hate it. Yes. Good. Um, <laughs> about our next book. Wait, I have to say, I had I was betrayed about Lovecraft Country. I just I was telling Justin the other day that we had to start watching this show because we were going to cover it on yeah. the podcast, and he was like, he just gave me a look like with big big eyes, and I was like, what? Do you not want to watch it? And he was like, no, uh, I um, already. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> he somehow watched the whole thing. Is without, he, what? And I don't know how because we don't ever go anywhere. 
And I've been here the whole time. I don't know when he did it. How did he watch it and not say anything about it the whole time? Because this is the kind of show I would Mary, be like, well, I we don't gotta watch. Know. I gotta talk about this. I'm yeah. confused and betrayed. And Is he gonna watch I it just, with you again? I mean, I'll probably gently force him to. Yeah. You should. <laughs> I mean, you would not have to force Ugh. me. I'm just saying. I'm ready. I'm ready to watch it again. Ready. I'm upset, but... Okay, sorry, Mary. Carry on. No, I just, um, the next book is Docile by K.M. Sparza. It is supposed to be sort of like a science fiction-y take on capitalism and domination and submission, and I've heard it is very sexy. I cannot wait, because I love sexy books, and I hate capitalism. (laughs) Yeah, they were like, if you feel jaded about capitalism and you love sexy stuff, this is for you. And I also have to, I have to point out, I was looking at Amazon reviews of it and two reviews back to back. The first one was like, this is all about homosexual sex and bondage. And the second review said, I don't know, it's something different. (laughs) There are many flavors of reviews. And I just love that one person one person was outraged and the next person was like, no, no, it's something different. <laughs> I, I would so, like to know who that second person is. I just want to know. I'm I ready know. for a I'm sexy excited. Week. Let's do this. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> That's all I got. Um, so if you have any comments or questions, if you want to tell me that I don't understand the human condition. Uh, you can email us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com with your feedback on Survivor Song or any other book we've ever read. Uh, if you are going through the back catalog and happen to listen to something and hear us say something that you disagree with, you can be like, hey, but just remind us what we said because we probably won't remember. <laughs> um, you- I mean, we say so much dumb stuff we can't I know, it's a lot. possibly be expected to remember all of it. If you need to ask us about uh, our favorite lunch food. Yeah, we can work our way. Or dinner food. We're (laughs) chomping at the bit. Honestly. But breakfast is the most important and best meal of the day. So don't know if we will be as passionate about anything else. Um, I mean, it's food, so. It's food. You can follow us. Don't test um, me. At Booksquad Goals. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, You can visit our website at booksquadgoals.com. That's where you will find our blog and all of our blog posts. Please subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you use. But very importantly, if you can, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you can't do that, at the very least, please leave us a rating and review. It will help other people like you find us. Uh, We appreciate you listening. We would like to tell you to wear your masks, to stay inside when you can, for the most part. Uh, to continue educating yourself about the world and listening to voices of people who need to be heard, such as uh, BIPOC people and, you know, queer people and everyone who didn't get to be heard for a million years. uh, Listen to them. Um, And scientists. Also listen to scientists, yeah. (laughs) Also, um, vote. They're smarter than us. Please, if you haven't already. I mean, maybe you're listening to this Mm -hmm. a couple days after it came out and, like, the world is on fire. Uh, Or maybe maybe. you are listening to this and you forgot to vote because you didn't hear us ask you and, um, (laughs) yeah. 
Fuck. Should have listened to this earlier. Uh, please, Gosh. please vote for not Donald. Trump. <laughs> um, what? It, I didn't say anything. Please vote. Um, and <laughs> I hope that things are looking better for you wherever you are than they look right now yeah. for us. <laughs> yes. We're in a we're in a place. This is a place. Clearly. Thanks for sticking around for two <laughs> hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah, that's okay. All right. It's probably still Look at Penelope. We just had a lot of whining to do today. Yeah. <sighs> Good. Goodbye.